Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christu. Happy Feast of Pentecost. I am the light of life. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our people, our forebears, all those martyrs on the back wall, and the Carpathian Ruthenian people were uh, converted in 863 by two brothers from Thessalonica, from the Byzantine Empire, and uh, Cyril and Methodius. Cyril and Method. When they came, among the Slav people, it was not that they did not believe in God. They just had uh, different notions about God. And so anyway, um, Cyril Methodius noticed that they were very fond of trees. And they uh, they asked him, they said, why are you so fond of trees? And they said, you know, the trees lose their leaves in the fall. And then spring comes and summers and leaves bloom out on the trees, beautiful and green. So they thought, they said, there must be a spirit somewhere that gives life to those trees. Or there must be a spirit in them. They could not imagine life without some interior force. Cyril Methodius did not have a terribly hard job by converting these people. And remember, in 863, the church was whole. There was not a split between the East and the West. And so Methodius uh, told them, there is a spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is God, and comes and brings life to us. That's a wonderful insight. When I was a boy, like some of the young boys here in this little mission group we have here, my grandfather was little, but on this Saturday before Pentecost, the vigil of Pentecost, we'd go to the woods and we'd bring back branches with new leaves on them. And so we would decorate the house and the doorway over the house with the new leaves, celebrating the life-giving spirit. And our parish church would hold about, I think it would hold about 800 people. And the men would go out and cut trees and bring them in 
to the church and decorate them with trees. You know, small trees, but they were full-grown, whatever they were. Usually the limpa. And the limpa tree is the linden tree. Why did they like the linden tree? Because when the wind would blow, the leaves would rock like this. And they said that was the reminder of the spirit in the world. They would rock like this. And so then we would, uh, the 50 days of Easter would be over. Christ had gone to heaven, and he had made a promise in John's gospel. He said in that gospel that I will send you the Spirit, and he will teach you all things. He also said that he and the Father were one. And he also said that the Spirit was one with them. So when the Spirit came, he proceeded with his energies, the divine deifying energies of God. And these energies are from the interior of God's life. We call this paradosis, this tradition. So the spirit of life comes from the Father through the Son in part by the Holy Spirit. It is a product of the interior life of God and it sanctifies a man or woman and makes them holy. This Holy Spirit is operative in everything in the church and in the world that is good. Goodness means to be godly. It means that we are in union with the God. And it starts out for us when the first gift is given to us when we're baptized, the Holy Spirit. Then he comes with chrismation. Chrism uh, is always a sign of an anointing from God. The great sacraments are always accompanied by anointing with chrism. And the bishop on Holy Thursday, he blesses this chrism in his cathedral then he sends it to all the priests in his eparchy. We have chrism here. The chrism is kept, and we have chrism in the tabernacle here in the cathedral. And occasionally I use it. Occasionally we baptize a baby and I confirm that baby by giving it the gifts of the Holy Spirit through chrismation. The peak is also present in ordinations. And you remember he's present when we consecrated this holy temple. And the bishops came, and my two bishops and myself, we consecrated, first of all, the holy table with chrism.
two oils, one washing in chrism. And on top of that was put a special cloth, the chrisma. It will remain there until it falls apart. We never remove it. We put other cloths on top of it to decorate the holy table because that was the preparation to the throne of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is invoked at the epiclesis in the Eucharistic prayer when he comes and perfects the water and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And the Holy Trinity itself is enthroned on that holy table, that holy altar. We call it the holy table, because it's there that we go to receive Holy Communion with the life-giving Trinity. And the special gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to us especially was the incarnation, Jesus Christ, the wound of the Blessed Virgin Mary, when he came and she said, let it be done to me according to your word, she became the bride of the Father and she conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what was in her, the scripture says, is God. And so the incarnation of Jesus is the gift of the Holy Spirit and breathed through his body, we receive all the sacraments. So the touch of Christ in the sacraments is a participation in the body of Christ and makes us a spirit-filled people. I know we have a charismatic movement in the Catholic Church. I'm not too fond of it because they forget, they talk about the Holy Spirit as though he were acting without the Father or without the Son. That's not possible. So I try to always, in my prayers, in my thinking about God, keep the Orthodox faith of the three persons in one God and the Holy Spirit flowing from all three of them. What are the effects of the Holy Spirit? personal holiness, knowledge, healing, priests and bishops, a temple where he comes amongst us, a holy temple, people who are part of the body of Christ, children who are born also because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. All created gifts are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why I don't particularly like the theology of marriage in the West as a contract. A couple are crowned in marriage. You see the couple over there. Jesus was there. He took the water into, into wine, a rich thing 
and that wine eventually they will receive to seal their marriage. And why were they married? To do the work of God, to reach his church grow. So we have the gift of children, also the gift of the Holy Spirit and the love of a man and woman. And each child is the gift from God, the Holy Spirit. We have and move our being, we say, and we breathe air, and we drink water, we enjoy the fruits of the earth, but we have our move, our being in the Holy Spirit. None of those things would work without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, his life in us. When the apostles gathered together with the Blessed Virgin Mary, always in the icon of Pentecost, we have the, the, Our Lady. They gathered together, they were uh, wondering. They seemed to be a little bit confused. Then they gathered together on that first Pentecost and they prayed. And the Spirit came upon them. And that same blood that flowed forth to baptize the earth and the cross and all of us poured forth upon them and gave them courage gave them the gifts of knowledge, gave them the touch of the Holy Spirit to give us the sacraments of Jesus Christ. And the church was born. The pneumatic body of Christ is the church because we participate in his life, in his flesh, and in his body as part and a member of his body in the mystical body of the church. Our Holy Father, Pius XII, wrote a beautiful encyclical, Mystical Corporis, in which he enunciated for the Catholic world the meaning of the mystical body. I know I see most of you a few times a week, and I see you in, in church, loving God, doing his will. And I know each one of you is a gift from God. I should also respect you because you contain the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes priests get discouraged trying to deal with you because you sin against the Holy Spirit. This sin, it says in the New Testament, is the worst sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. The New Testament does not go on to tell us exactly the nature of that sin. It goes so far as to say to sin against the Holy Spirit is not forgivable. So I'm very glad 
that uh, God did not define the exact sins that were against the Holy Spirit. But I think all sin is against the Holy Spirit. But I also think when he came to the apostles when they were frightened, he gave the power to forgive sin. And we should always cling to that gift of the apostles which came to them as a result of Pentecost. They didn't know who they were all in one big burst. It took the whole experience of the growth and development of the church and the gifts of the Spirit to teach them. I remember when I was in seminary and every class we went to We'd start by singing Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit, Truth, Treasury, Blessing, every present and fill all things, giver of life, come and dwell within us, and cleanse of all sin, save our souls, O gracious Lord. We called upon the Holy Spirit to open our dumb brains to understand, if we could, the mysteries of God. When I went to New Jersey to give the retreat, I walked into the room where the priests were, 60 of them assembled or so. I stood up and sang the heavenly king. They all joined me. So we did one mind and one heart in trying to cooperate with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every day in the offices of our church, what the monks say, they, they say this prayer I think two or three times, maybe more. I haven't really sat down and counted it. They're trying to call on God to be present in their prayer and in the prayer of the church. We can do nothing without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can only do evil without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He is not liked by the evil one. They are arch enemies, but they, we are weak, and we give in to temptations and passions. Not all passions are bad, but if we use them in such a way that they're not the will of God, then it is not so good. So, you know, everything you do, you know, we should be mindful of the Holy Spirit and say that prayer that we're dependent upon him to purify us, keep us whole in the body of Christ, and feed us with the divine grace, the divine energies, so we can eventually sing Heavenly King in the kingdom of heaven. I like our religion. It is beautiful. It is oriented towards our weaknesses to heal us, our sicknesses, our disappointments. We have a helper. It is not just an accident that we take the chrism to give the person the sacrament of chrismation It is their personal Pentecost. It's like you're once again with the apostles. 
in the upper room. When I went to uh, Israel for the Holy Land, uh, they showed me a place that they said was the upper room as best they could tell. It was interesting because right next door to it was the Jewish synagogue, and it was the next building over. We had to go up some steps. So we went there. When we got there, we weren't supposed to have a service there. I didn't like that too much. So I had a service. I celebrated the Eucharist in that room. Same room that maybe the apostles did the first Eucharist with Jesus. Probably a different building, but somewhere in that location. This Holy Spirit is the anointing of chrismation, is the perfecter of the Eucharist. It is the blesser of marriages. It is the conception of a holy child. It is all these things. Sometimes women ask me, they lose a child. This is a minority opinion in the fathers, but I like it. Mother and father are buried, they, I mean married, excuse me. They conceive a child, God is there. It's a holy child. I don't know what its destiny is if they lose that child, but it's God's special property. I think he has a plan for it. And so the Eastern fathers, the a minority of them said that every child conceived in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in marriage is holy to God. So you mothers of lost children, be consoled by the Holy Spirit amongst us. Husbands, console your wives. Know that the church cannot exist without holy married people. And in the church, there's a very special group of people, the priests and bishops and the monks, especially among Eastern Christians. A monk is a special um, spirit bearer by his prayer. And his vocation is started when he was baptized. And he keeps the evangelical counsels, which is the very life that Jesus Christ asked us to keep. I'm of the opinion of, it says in the church, there are seven sacraments. Plus, we don't know all the sacraments. There may be some yet to be revealed to us. Possibly. But I feel that monastic consecration solemn vows of a prayer who gives his life for the glory of God, who is another Christ as he mounts the cross of Jesus, is that special gift and sacrament. What I'm telling you this morning is that all our life, all we are, all we be, all we will become is involved with the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
you people are automatically charismatics because you have the sacramental consecration of Jesus Christ in the Holy Sacrament. Remember your dignity, you Christians. Remember what you are. Talk to the Holy Spirit within you. Ask him to teach you all things. Above all, live a pure life that he has a worthy home. This morning in the liturgy of the hours or the matins, and last night they mentioned the heart. So where is the Holy Spirit especially in you in your heart? Jesus tells us that too, but we... Read the Bible, but we don't always understand. Read it carefully. The Holy Spirit is with you in your heart. You are spirit bearers to the world. And your sanctity pours out upon the others gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.